5: for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.
1: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm
0: Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about lentils.
1: Yes. Mm. I love lentils. <laughs> I love lentils. Oh, me too. Absolutely. I love them in any number of applications. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I love lentil soup. I but also I have a very fond memory of the first time I had doll. Um or the first oh, like yeah. time I like really remember having doll. And it was when I was in Australia and we were a couple of us, a group of us were living in kind of a remote place and it was cold at night and we would cook these meals together. And the first meal we cooked together was from somebody who was there and, um, he made doll. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful.
0: oh, homemade doll too. How, mm-hmm. oh, how cool. Um, yeah, I remember the first time I had it as well because I, uh, I hadn't been exposed to any Indian cuisine until I moved to Atlanta where we're very lucky to have a number of amazing, 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 um, Indian and Bangladeshi restaurants. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was just like, what is this and how? Like, how have I never had this before? <laughs> mm-hmm. Same. I was kind of like, what?
1: This is amazing. Right. Like, so
0: simple, but so, like, hearty and just warming mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and then, as I've mentioned before on the show, my my little brother is vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and we often make things when he's around, like lentil bolognese sauce with spaghetti, um, lentil chili, uh, vegetarian burgers. And they're all sure very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yay. Mm-hmm. And you can see our couscous episode uh, for my own personal battle of lentils versus couscous as a side that's at a very (laughs) well-known dragon con restaurant every year i'm like oh which one which one but you can hear more details about it in the couscous episode (laughs) yeah yeah i see this this i you could you could order them both and they would probably serve them to you I'm sure they would, Lauren, but <laughs> if they give you these huge portions. It's like a matter oh. of, because you don't have a place to store stuff. Yeah, really.
0: yeah, oh.
1: I know. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's every year I'm like, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs>
0: uh, um, You can also see uh, our episodes on chickpeas and green beans and i'm trying to think what other legumes we've done um tamarind and carob technically both count but like also are very different um uh maybe tofu i don't know i don't know we've done a lot of stuff
1: we've we've covered a lot of we've done a lot
0: of stuff it's true (laughs) (laughs) it's true Well, I guess that brings <laughs> us to our question. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> lentils. What are they?
0: Well, uh, lentils are a type of legume. Yes, that's uh, very small, like a like a pinky nail or smaller, and shaped like uh, discs or lenses. Uh, they can range from sort of mushy to sort of tender to almost crunchy when they're cooked and are just so earthy and, and filling. lentils are, are just a very satisfying plant yeah mm-hmm. um they're like uh, they're like that person you know who's sort of unreasonably responsible but like you can't even dislike them for it because they're also so dang affable mm-hmm <laughs> they're, they're sort of like, um they're sort of like tiny boba, but protein.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that. It's true. It's like your, your friend who's trying to take care of you when you're like, nah, I'm good. And like, wait, no, they're like, me. no, oh, <laughs> here's some is, water. Here's this some is vegetables. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. You were right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, okay. So
0: yes. Lentils are in that legume family, Fabaceae, along with other beans, peas, and peanuts. Uh, Botanical name, Lens culinaris. So, yes, they're named the Culinary Lens.
1: (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Mm -hmm.
0: Lentil plants grow as these small, soft bushes, a couple feet in height, maybe like half a meter. Um, uh, They must be planted every year. They have these... Cute little uh, sort of fern-like branches that end in little curly curlicues and, um, and other branches with little white to pink to blue to purple flowers. When they're pollinated and they do self-pollinate, they'll develop into seed pods. Little tiny bean pods that may range in color from green to yellow to orange to red when they're mature um, and uh, usually only have a couple seeds in them. The seeds have a thin coat that can come in honestly pretty much any color from a, from a light tan all the way to black and anything in between, uh, though the flesh inside will be the same color that the pod was. Uh, red lentils tend to be on the smaller side, green to brown ones tend to be bigger, but there's a whole bunch of different types. Uh, like other legumes, part of the reason why lentils are cool isn't just that they are tasty and nutritious, though they are, but because they help fix nitrogen in the soil as they grow. And we talked about this before, but, uh, but basically every living thing needs nitrogen. But lots of nitrogen is airborne on this planet Earth, and lots of living things cannot get it into their systems from the air. Some plants, though, have evolved this mutually beneficial relationship with microbes that can totally get nitrogen into their systems from the air. Uh, The the plant's roots provide the colonies of microbes other nutrients, and as individual microbes in the colony die, uh, the plants can take up that nitrogen. Uh, This can help plants grown alongside legumes, or if you use them in rotation with other crops. Anyway, pretty cool. I've read that the pods can be eaten fresh, but it is far more common to um to dry and hull the seeds and then reconstitute, eat just the seeds and reconstitute them by cooking them in water or other liquid or in soups or stews. Because they are so small, lentils tend to reconstitute relatively quickly compared with other beans, which is nice if you're like me and you have no forethought or foreplanning. <laughs> um, <laughs> they can uh, vary a little bit in flavor. Type to type, but tend to be uh, earthy and nutty, maybe a little peppery or a little sweet. Uh, some cook up real mushy and thus are good for those super stew applications. Some cook up firmer and more like a toothsome, yeah, and thus are better for use some um, whole in in salads or pilafs or casseroles or savory pies. Um, uh, you, right, you can make a fritters or patties with them. Oh, so mm. good, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lentils can also be processed into flour, which can be used alone or alongside other flours in all kinds of applications uh, as, a, as a thickener or in sweet or savory baked goods or to make uh, really nice, like, like earthy, peppery crackers.
1: Oh, my goodness. That sounds so good right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I feel like I've had a lot of lentils during the pandemic, and it's been a lot of, like, comfort food for me just oh yeah especially lentil soup just
0: oh, um. lentil soup all the time mm-hmm. I think that's why I chose this this episode topic because I was just like it is the weather is cooling off and I mm-hmm. would like to just like dip myself into lentil soup like that. <laughs> <laughs> of course yes <laughs> uh well what about the nutrition uh not not as a bath but otherwise (laughs) uh, lentils Mm -hmm. are pretty good for you um they're about 25 percent protein uh which is high for a vegetable um and also a great source of fiber and various micronutrients so like they will help fill you up and help keep you going um paired with whole grains you've got a pretty complete protein profile uh which is cool i keep saying that uh, you've got a pretty complete protein profile. They are low in fat, so pair with a little bit of that, too. And, you know, as always, eat eat a vegetable.
1: As always. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saver's trying to be here for you just like lentils just are. Just like
0: lentils are. Exactly. <laughs> We're trying to be the good friend.
1: We are. Uh, we do have some numbers for you. We do. Okay. According to an NPR article, about half of the world's lentils are consumed in India.
0: Yes, and they do import the most, around a million metric tons per year as of
1: 2020. And according to another source I read, one of every five or six lentils is grown in India. And that of the about 6.3 million tons of annual global lentil production, yes, Uh uh, India accounts for about 1.1 to 1.5 million tons of that.
0: Yeah, uh, Canada and India produce the most. Uh, Canada produces like 44% and India about 18%. And there is also serious lentil industry in Australia, Turkey, and Nepal. And uh, there
1: are some records?
0: A record? Yes, there is a lentil world record. Um, uh, <laughs> The Guinness record for the largest lentil stew was set in Uruguay in 2015 um, it weighed <laughs> it was it, it okay, it was it was a stew of lentils, sausage, onion, potatoes, and tomatoes. And it weighed two thousand three hundred and sixty five kilos, um, or about five thousand two hundred and thirteen pounds. Wow. Oh,
1: okay. It's <laughs> <That's> impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a national lentil festival in Pullman, Washington. Yeah. US. Uh-huh. Uh,
0: it's in August of every year. That general area grows about a quarter of America's lentils. The festival includes a parade, a lentil pancake breakfast, um, the legendary lentil cookoff, um, a mini golf tournament and a pickleball tournament, among many other activities. Um <laughs> I have to mention the festival mascot. Oh yes. Um, its name is Tay's Tea Lentil. <laughs> Okay, uh-huh. Um, and it's like it's like this big lentil, okay. like like the like the whole big lentil is just its big face. and the face has arms and legs coming off of it and uh-huh. and it's and it's wearing a
1: baseball cap. <laughs> okay, the image in my head, I can see it being either terrifying or completely hilarious, or perhaps both. Um, it's
0: mostly hilarious and cute. Um, okay, it's not nearly as terrifying as some other mascots that we've talked about. On oh, my the show before. oh my gosh! Oh my
1: gosh! We got to do that food mascot episode one day. Oh,
0: I don't know if I have the the, the strength.
1: You do, Lauren. Okay.
3: You must
1: <laughs> be brave. <laughs> yes, like I'm sure tasty lentil is. <laughs> oh,
0: um, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but but right. Um, uh, this is not the only place in the world that honors and respects its lentils. In France, there is an organization called, roughly translated, um, the Green Brotherhood um, (laughs) that celebrates and sometimes throws, like, really impressive galas um, centered around the French le (laughs) lentil. There are some... 200 knights in the brotherhood uh du- dudes and ladies both um and according to the Lepui website um they uh they defend tooth and nail the jewel of the region
1: <laughs> i feel like we've come a- across many of these like knighthoods or brotherhoods around yeah. food and it, it does crack me up <laughs> it's serious business it it is it is mm-hmm Well, another thing that's serious business, Hmm. a few things I read claimed that it's a traditional thing on New Year's for some Italians, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, to eat lentils. So it's kind of similar to what we talked about in our um, southern food traditions on New Year's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we did one also around the world uh, that this is because they resemble coins, or most likely because they resemble coins. So it's like if you eat your lentils, you will get wealth in the new year. Sure. Why not? Sure. Yeah, lentils are good. Um mm-hmm. but listeners write in. Uh listeners from Italy, or if you've come across this tradition before, please oh, yeah. write in.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um huh. uh okay. There's also a program called the International Center for Agricultural Research for Dry Areas. It rolls off the tongue, I know, um, uh-huh. but but okay. One of their goals is, in fact, to study lentils and get them to grow better and in more places. Makes sense. Um, and this 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 group has a collection of about ten thousand five hundred. Different samples of genetic material from various varietals of both wild and domesticated lentils. Dang. Right?
1: (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) They're like,
0: and all of these are interestingly different. And I'm like, why? Okay.
1: (sighs) That's so cool. (laughs) Like the snowflakes of the (laughs) agricultural world.
0: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And and they are are popular. Uh, Global production has more than tripled since
1: 1980. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And they have a long and storied history.
0: Oh, heck they do. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break forward from our sponsor.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Visit Pronamel.com.
4: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, lentils are old. Yeah. a of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: uh, yes. Yeah. Lentils are like one of the first things that humans domesticated. Like, they were part of the agricultural revolution in the Fertile Crescent as people transitioned from gathering plants to growing them on purpose. Um, like right up there with wheat and barley. Yes. Yeah.
1: Old, old, old. Uh, the earliest archaeological evidence we know of goes back to Greece, um, 13,000 to 9,500 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're thought to have originated in the Mediterranean or, uh, what is now Egypt and Turkey specifically, um, or both. Sure. That, that general area. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Evidence indicates that lentils were first domesticated in 8,000 BCE in what is now northern Syria, that they were present in Turkey by 6,700 BCE. A bit later, in 6,000 BCE, lentils were recorded as food for impoverished people in ancient Greece, though that didn't last long because other records kind of around this time paint lentil soup particularly as a prized dish in ancient Greece, and that could be due to a variety of factors. Um... Just taking longer to cook, something like that. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But still, uh, in fact, Aristophanes wrote, You who dare insult lentil soup, sweetest of delicacies. But I read that and I was like, so clearly he's into it. But he also wrote, (laughs) um, now he is rich. He no longer cares for lentils. So I'm like, you know, sometimes the intricacies of old-timey satire escapes me. Um, I feel, it, <laughs> I, feel
0: like it, I feel like it's saying that it's like a, it's like a down to earth kind of dish, but it's yeah. really good. I feel like that's the, the vibe.
1: That's what I thought too. But I, I'm glad you agree. Cause I had a moment of like, maybe I really just am not putting, picking up all this guy's putting down. <laughs> maybe <laughs> he's making a joke that I don't get. Um, This difference in perception between lentils and lentil soup, though, that shows up in the historical record a handful of times uh, that we're going to talk about. Pliny wrote about the different varieties of lentils and uh, believed medicinal properties of them. Uh, Records show that the Greeks were using lentils to make bread, among other things. Um, Ancient Romans also wrote about a dish eaten by the poor that had lentils in it. And the Apicius included several recipes that used lentils in them.
0: Yeah, one that I was reading about had uh, lentils and mussels with honey and vinegar and, like, lots of spices. I was like, ooh. Ooh.
1: (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) 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 Multiple and repeated archaeological finds from Central Europe suggest that lentils were domesticated there by around the 5th century BCE and that people were already selecting them. For size hmm. uh and yeah the lentil has been a staple in the indian diet since at least 2500 bce and written records indicate that the preparation of dal in that area which a whole separate episode but mm-hmm. uh goes back to at least 800 to 300 bce and then it was like kind of immediately ooh, this is good mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um Lentil remains dating back to 2400 BCE were found in royal tombs at Thebes in Egypt, suggesting that they were highly valued there. Um, and about a thousand years later, an Egyptian fresco depicts the preparation of lentil soup. Oh. I love that. I love that. Yeah. mm Mm-mm-mm. Uh, Ancient Roman and Hebrew texts mention lentils, and they appear several times in the Bible, perhaps most significantly in the Genesis story of the brothers Jacob and Esau. Um, And Esau sells his birthright to Jacob in exchange for some lentil soup. I think there's been some translation fun with that as well. (laughs) Uh Uh, But generally, that's the story that gets told. Because lentils are climate resilient and nutritious... They became a staple crop in many areas where they were grown, could be grown. And as technology advanced and new irrigation techniques were found, for example, they only became easier and cheaper to grow. By the Middle Ages, lentils were viewed as a crop for livestock in much of Europe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Spanish and Portuguese brought lentils to the Americas in the 16th century though it wasn't until World War II uh, that they got any real traction in the U.S., and that was thanks to meat shortages and lentils' nutritional qualities, again, relatively low cost of them, availability of them, uh, things that we've talked about before a lot on this show of, like, how these wars so strongly impacted our agricultural and diet landscape. Yeah. 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 Uh, Meanwhile, in 1935...
0: The aforementioned uh les pois, and I hope I'm saying that right. I did look it up. i French doesn't make any sense to me anyway. um this this type of lentil became the first vegetable to be protected by French designate designation of origin regulations. Um and we've talked about these most often, these regulations, most often in terms of stuff like like cheese and wine. Um, but, yeah, these lentils um they're this um this firm um kind of modeled gray green uh type with a with a really peppery flavor um and uh and the 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 specifics of them are often attributed to the um to the volcanic soil in the local area where they're grown
1: oh mm-hmm. very cool very mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. uh <laughs> okay in 1965 the nonprofit organization, the USA Dry Pea and Lentil Council, was formed with the okay. goal of promoting, yep, with the goal of promoting these crops and protecting uh, those in the industry. Uh, that National Lentil Festival that we mentioned earlier it launched in 1989 in hopes of promoting locally grown lentils.
6: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It was part of a sort of a wave of like agro-tourism that that was sort of kicking off around then.
1: That's another episode idea. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Agro-tourism. And yeah, since lentils are a staple in many places, they can survive in these harsher conditions in some cases and again are nutritious. Genetic research into the lentil continues, as you were kind of mentioning, Lauren, um, especially in light of climate change. Yeah, yeah. as we've
0: talked about related to all of that, uh, 2016 was deemed the International Year of the Pulses by the <laughs> United Nations. Um, they, they were right, just trying to encourage conversation about the importance of uh, pulses or legumes like, like lentils in diets around the world. And right, so much interesting research. I uh, All of it is like really specific and nerdy and dry, so I, <laughs> I mm-hmm. didn't talk about a lot of specifics in here um but like for example I ran across a number of papers from like the last couple years that were looking into um the like genetic history of how lentils were domesticated and how they were developed for different climates and agricultural practices around the world
1: yeah I love it it was one of those things where I I was having trouble getting a lot of the history part, but there were so many papers I'd click on them, and they were so dense and so long, and they were like chemical formulas in yeah. Them yeah. and them yeah. and mathematical things happening. And I was so filled with warmth that this is going on, but also very aware, like I can't break this. This down is not at for the time. me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad yeah. this is happening. Mm-hmm. Keep it up. But, yeah, uh, I can't break this down in this podcast. <laughs> no, no, that's
0: not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're a little bit more generalist
1: than that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it is out there, listeners. If you want to check it out, and if you're somebody, we're always looking for people. If you're working in this field, if you've done some lentil research, oh, or if you've been to that lentil festival, oh my god.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, I want to hear all about it. Um, Me and I've, I've I've read that the. I've read that the the crowning of the of the little king and little queen of the lentil of of, 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 of the lentil I think yeah I'm not oh I didn't write down the,
1: the proper title I apologize. Oh no. Um, oh no. I've
0: heard it is it is an event that needs to be witnessed to be understood so
1: wow that's some okay yeah well, we'll add it to our list. I must understand. <laughs> Yes. I need to understand, Lauren. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, yes, so that that is what we currently have to say about lentils.
1: It is, but we do have some listener mail for you, and we will get into it after we get back from one more quick break. Forward from our sponsor. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com.
4: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip.
1: We're back. Thank you, sponsor.
0: Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener
2: Narmale.
1: Lentil soup. It <laughs> makes me want to sing to the hills, Lauren.
2: <laughs> there's
0: very there's a very like like Glenda the Good Witch kind of like vibe yes. going on there for that one. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to do the sound of music like spinning, oh. but I, last time I tried to spin during one of these, it was not good because I'm connected to a lot of wires. So, oh, yeah.
0: No. No, no do more not, spinning. No, don't. No.
1: But no. just know, if I could get more elaborate with these. Oh, yeah. I would. I if think we... we might get out of hand, actually. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we
0: don't need to introduce that kind of chaos. <laughs> I need a stunt coordinator.
1: eye. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you listen to the show, you wouldn't know. <laughs> I, it's a blessing and a curse. You're right. I will keep it here in my chair with okay. no spinning.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. Never I fear. I think
0: that's good. I think All this right. is a good choice. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I feel like you're talking me back. Like, <laughs> Come on, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Terrius wrote, It took hearing about the poor people of Nova Scotia being called Blue Nosers based on the cold to finally motivate me to write in. Hmm. It's most likely from a very fast and famous 1920 to 40s racing and working schooner built in Nova Scotia. I first heard about the Blue Nose while living near Vancouver on this series of Canadian history TV ads. Hmm. Huh. Okay. I also learned all about Winnie from Winnie the Pooh, the original bear the book is inspired from. <laughs> But history lesson aside, I've been listening to your podcast while making and baking pies for my small batch pie business in Melbourne, Australia. Ooh. Dessert pies are not a big thing here, as you both have mentioned. Savory pies are more the ticket. But during COVID lockdowns, I noticed all of us North American expats really missing and feeling nostalgic for a taste of home and comfort foods. So I started making and selling pies at local farmer's markets. I love to hear your banter, creative insights. And my favorite is when you nerd out because I usually nerd out on the same things. (laughs) Thanks for being a voice from home when my homesickness has hit me so hard. I sort of jump all over the place in the order of listening, so bear with me. First, thanks for educating me on Zinfandel. I'll have to re-examine my bias, totally remember the too sweet wine from my college days, and try a few labels when I'm next stateside. Oz is well known for their Shiraz, so I tend to go for that in red and in whites for Gewürztraminer? Gewürztraminer? Ooh, German? Oh! German? Coming for me again. Hopefully that's close. Um, Continued. Introduced to me by a dear German friend. Next, I'm glad you got the intel on thick shakes and what that means here. Sorry to say they are still not as good as a proper milkshake from a diner back home. That's next on my to-do list. Cherry pies and milkshakes diner. (laughs) Mm. Last, I had to laugh when Annie mentioned her challenge when saying, Roar. Why did I do this to myself? Um, Yes. Um, I have one, too, and always have to consciously position my lips to make sure I actually say roar and not cheat and say war. <laughs> I shudder when the word Aurora is on my vocal horizon. Thanks for keeping me company and laughing during my baking sessions. Take care from Oz. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. I didn't I, I did it to myself. You did. Uh, but you did. You did. We were just talking about, or I, I was talking about how i all get stuck on a word. And it's like I'm on loop and I can't say it correctly because I'm so in my head about how I can't say it correctly. Yeah. And it's like you see it coming. You see it on your vocal horizon, as yeah. you say. And you're like, oh, you're it's like, not going to oh, work. No. Here I go. Here I go. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: hmm <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, we, we all, I, no, no matter I mean, right, like, like we, we talk, like, kind of professionally, semi-professionally, I'd say, and, and <laughs> right, like, no matter how often you do this, there's always going to be words that trip you up, so I, it's not, it's just, it's just how brains work, it's terrible. Brains are terrible, <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
1: you heard it here. <laughs> also, your pies, I love pies, as we know. Yes. Savory, sweet, sounds delicious. I bet we're very much appreciated during COVID for oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, I could use a pie right now. Oh, um, I can
0: always use a pie. I've actually had a pretty like high pie uh, experience <laughs> um, over, over over the past few days or the past like week or so. Um, mm-hmm. Usually I would say I have like zero pies a week. And, uh, <laughs> and over the past week, week and a half, I've had like four. So I'm like, all wow. right, just like a lot of things converging in a very pleasant pie related way
1: pleasant pie related way that's yeah. very happy oh that's amazing. oh and
0: and i will say australian style meat pies specifically are a thing that i'm familiar with because there is an atlanta pie shop called the australian bakery oh goodness anyway yeah they they, they yes it's australian expats who make meat
1: pies and they're lovely yeah, and that's one of the things that you you mentioned, and that I always find fascinating is you know this when you're homesick uh, and you're like I want I want this food, and yeah. then you go and start making it, so other people oh. who are homesick can oh. have it as well.
0: I love it, mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, ha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, Andrew wrote. Ah, I just listened to your pear episode and you read some listener mail where the person mentioned ranch dill oyster crackers. I can't believe I forgot to mention these in my message. My mom has a recipe that sounds basically identical to the one mentioned, and she makes them almost every year around the holidays. When my wife and I were first dating, I made her and her roommates a batch of these along with some other holiday treats. She says this event is one of the reasons why I ended up winning her over back in those early days.
1: Dill. It brings the people together. I love that, too. <laughs> I love that. I love how many people you've written in. These are those connections we're talking about. Right? It's like, mm, uh, th- these dill oyster crackers, I need to get to know this guy yeah, I love that, that one
0: down, right?
1: <laughs> yes. And Andrew had written in about dill previously, and we read uh, Andrew's message on here. Uh, but, yeah, I just love that. <laughs> You heard this message like, oh, I made that too. And I have this memory associated with it. and It's such a good memory. I love it.
0: It's so lovely.
1: It is. It is. Well, thanks to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social
0: media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
6: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
5: Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke.